encourage you now to join me in taking your Bibles and turn with me to our passage this morning. We find it end of 2 Peter, the last verse, the last chapter of the last letter we have of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. As we've already mentioned and many of us know, the Lord indeed blessed us with a wonderful week at BBS this past week. Uh, the children had their lessons on the armor of God and what each piece is and what God has meant them to be used for, how we are blessed in taking up the armor of God. And the adults met upstairs and we discussed the topic of the dropout rate from the church with our covenant children. It was a sobering uh, couple of days of, of, of learning about this. And, and this morning I, I want to follow up a little bit on that topic, a little, just a little bit more. Not that I'm going to say anything better than how Dave said it, but I think there's something for us to be think about and be encouraged by. We begin with those statistics that Dave shared with us, statistics that show that 70% of our covenant children, meaning those children who have been raised in the church, 70% of them, when they graduate high school or go off to college of work, will leave the church. Now, they may... Uh, go to church when they come home for the holidays and may come with their, their families when they're home for the weekends. But in terms of being involved with the church, 70% of them will not have any sort of active involvement with the church. I want to, I want to think about that for a moment in our context. These kids who we see baptized down here and we keep in the nursery and then they go to Sunday school, and some of us teach them in Sunday school. We see them on Wednesday nights, so they come here for dinner in children's groups, and they're running around in their playground, and they move up to youth group. And we see them off to retreats and conferences and mission trips. Those children are children. And all these ministries that we provide for them, and the statistics say that 70% of them will leave the church with me and them never coming back. Now, this may be a rather extreme way to say that, to say this, but could we see that as a 70% failure rate? Or to put it in a more positive way, is it a 30% success rate? Either way we look at, however we care to nuance those numbers, it's a scary number. 70%, 70%, 7 out of 10 that we invest in for 18 years to walk away from the church, to have no active involvement in it, many of them for the rest of their lives. And I'm not pointing fingers, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to hear me say that, but I also want us to take a moment to think through just the past 10 to 20 years in our own covenant children. And where do they fit to those numbers? Are they in the 30%? Are they in the 70%? However we look at it, hopefully it leads to us asking the question of what do we do? And hopefully we are asking that question. Hopefully when we hear these statistics, we have that initial reaction that we want more and we want better for our covenant children. We don't want to see 7 out of 10 walk away from the church and ultimately walk away from Jesus. We want more. We want 
better. So it means we can't be nominal in the faith and say, well, kids will be kids. How do we explain that 70-30? Well, kids will be kids. Now, there is an amount of truth to that. Children need to grow and they need to mature. But folks, when eternity is on the line, not church, just church membership, not just tithing, but when their very soul is on the line, we should want more than just a shrug of the shoulders, crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. We should want more than saying, hey, out of 10, we're glad if we only get three into heaven. So what do we do? What do we do with these numbers? What do we do with all this? Well, those of you who are here, Dave's research and study on this led to one conclusion, the gospel. And let me say this. I don't know if Dave mentioned this. This isn't a hobby. This isn't just a hobby for him. him. This is not something he happened upon. This is his thesis for his doctorate from RTS. This is something he spent five years studying and researching. So he didn't just flip through a couple of world magazines and other magazines and go, hey, let me make up something about this. This is a lot of research in this. And the one conclusion is very simple. It's the gospel. What do we do with this? What do we do with that 70-30 split? Well, we, we take the gospel. That we as a church need to always major in the gospel. That we major in pointing to Jesus for salvation and life. That what is Bethel ARP known for? We're known for saying, here is Jesus. And here is salvation in Jesus. And without him, you are going to hell. Plain and simple. Here is Jesus. You need him as Lord and Savior. And when you come to faith in Jesus then here is life in Jesus. I come from a background where the church majored on coming to Jesus, but once you came, they didn't really tell you what to do. And that's a very confusing way to live. So we major in the gospel by being a church that says, here is Jesus. Here is salvation in Him. And once you come to know Him as your Lord and Savior, then here is how you live for Him. Here's what the Christian life is. That's the goal of the church, but it's also meant to be the goal of families. The family. Every Christian family needs to be majoring in the gospel as well. Here is Jesus for salvation. Here is Jesus for life. And we we know, we understand that, that families have the most influence. Church, how much time do we actually spend at church? If, if we're faithful about it, two hours on Sunday, Sunday school and worship, and maybe an hour or so on Wednesdays. So three hours at the most. And in Bible studies, we'll say four. Four hours at the most during the week we can spend at church. Who we spend the most time with? Families. Families have the most influence, which means that how we, uh, how we deal with Jesus and his church and our family will largely shape our children's views. We're the number one influence. Those families, it is, I, I think this applies to those for, with little ones all the way up to, to grown ones, with grandchildren, great-grandchildren. If you are a family, the question needs to be asked, 
What are we doing with the gospel in our families? How are we pointing them to Jesus? Early on, during our, our, our topic on this, our discussion, somebody asked Dave the question of, uh, well, you know, we remember blue laws, right? The good old days uh, where Walmart didn't open until 1.30. That's how I remember blue laws. Uh, you got to eat at the church, go to the China buffet, and then you got in line to go to Walmart at 1.30. But there are some of us who go back even further. Nothing was open up on Sundays. And so the question was asked, okay, did, did, when we took away blue laws, did that add on to the dropout rate from the church? Dave said, no, I don't know about that. So there's other factors that have, uh, have come in. But I like the way he summarized it. You will always live out your priorities. And that's true, isn't it? When the gospel is our priority, it will show. So Bethel ARP, what is our priority when it comes to our covenant children? needs to be the gospel. Families, what is your priority when it comes to your family? What is your priority when it comes to your family? It needs to be the gospel. Nothing else but, but Jesus. And I, I want to follow up on this by, by looking at our passage this morning in 2 Peter. Because it tells us the goal. When we prioritize the gospel... In the church, when we prioritize the gospel in our families, here is the goal. We will read that. So let me, let me pray for us, and then we will come together for God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we, we pray to you, our good God and Father. We ask that you would forgive all of our faults and offenses, and that you would illuminate us by your Holy Spirit, so we may have true understanding, your understanding of your word. Give us the grace that we need so we may handle it purely and faithfully to the glory of your holy name and for the edification of us as the church and for our salvation. And we ask these things in the name of our only and blessed Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So 2 Peter uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 18. We will stand together now for the reading of God's word. The last word, the last letter from Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. May be seated. So the equation is very simple, far simpler than... Einstein's theory of relativity of E equals MC squared. I know what that says. I have no idea what it means. But I know this equation well. Gospel priority will always lead to gospel growth. When we prioritize the gospel, it will always lead to growth in the gospel. When our faith is in Jesus and we live our lives for Jesus and his glory, then there will always be growth in Jesus and for Jesus. We've talked about this before, but we can think about it like the markers of growth we have for our children. Maybe in your home now, or in your, in your home growing up, there's, there's a door jam somewhere in the house. Maybe going to the kitchen or going to the living room. We're starting out way, way low, our pencil marks. 
Next to the pencil mark is a name and a date. And those pencil marks get higher up with the same name but with different dates. And we know what those are, right? Those are markers of growth. We get the children, when we as the children put it against the door, we mark how much they've grown over the years. <clears throat> this reminder of their growth. And we look at that door jam over the years, we'll see where sometimes that the growth seems to be going slowly. And other times it just skyrockets. And it grew six inches in, in, in six days sort of thing, right? But it's these wonderful markers of growth. We go to them and we have this sweet reminder of watching that child grow and mature over the years. And we like to see that sort of growth because it indicates health. It shows a healthy child as growing up big and strong. Our son Patrick's got to the habit when he wakes up in the morning, he, he comes to the bedroom and he says, Dad, have I gotten taller? I'm like, yes, son, I think you have grown taller overnight. And then inevitably he'll flex for me. Dad, have my muscles gotten bigger? Yeah, yeah sure, son, they've, they've, yeah, they've gotten bigger. But we like to see those markers of growth. As I mentioned with the children, we had a, a family at our church in Georgia who had three sons, and two of them, when they got to about the age of 9 and 10, they stopped growing. And so they had to go to the doctors for for treatment because it was unusual. We like to see that sort of healthy growing. And we want to see that same growth in our spiritual lives and in the lives of our covenant children. And that growth comes when the gospel is the priority. When we major on Jesus, then we will see this good spiritual growth but the opposite is true when Jesus is not the priority when Jesus is not the center of our lives when when the gospel is not prioritized then then we will see disturbing spiritual non-growth so I want us to take a moment and, and, and picture our own spiritual house as you go into the kitchen there's the door jam. And there are the markers of your spiritual growth. What does it look like? Starting way down low when you were just first called to faith. Maybe you've known Jesus all your life, so it's down low. Or maybe as a child or as a teenager. But there's that first line of marking of when you were called to faith in Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful marker that is, isn't it? But what has your growth looked like past that point? Is still growing and growing and growing? Or has it just reached a plateau? And maybe when we look at it, we're reminded of times where we just seem to skyrocket in the faith. The Lord blessed us in such a way where it's just these, these huge jumps. And then other ways uh, along the way, it's, it's smaller increments. But we're, but we're growing all along the way. And that's what Peter is affirming and encouraging us here at the conclusion of his second letter. This is spiritual door jam that we are growing and growing. Sometimes bigger increments, sometimes small increments, but there's always growth. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Language is important. And the language here is important. 
Because Peter shares something here that's not an option. He doesn't say, but consider growing. Think about growing. Let me know how you feel about growing. An apostle of Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, ends his final letter with these final words of a directive of an imperative. Grow. Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's very simple. Peter says healthy Christians are growing Christians. Sometimes big increments. Sometimes small increments. But there's always growth. And the interesting thing to me, language is important, context is important, because Peter gives this directive at the end of the letter that he wrote because the readers were facing a tough time. That false teachers have come into their church and they're destabilizing it through their false teaching. So we're not, we're not talking about people with good intentions who are doing their best to teach Sunday school, but they kind of make small mistakes here and there and they're kind of stammering and stumbling. Right? These aren't people who, who, who want to do good, but they keep on kind of stumbling over their own feet. Right? No, what we're talking about, what Peter's talking about here, it goes back to what Jesus said. There are wolves in sheep clothing. These are not good people with good intentions. These are enemies of Jesus Christ. These are enemies of his gospel. And they have invaded the church. They have purposely come into the church to, to, to try to destroy it through their lives of false teaching. So this isn't a minor problem. This is a big problem. They're lying about Jesus. They're trying to destroy the church. They're trying to, 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 to stunt the growth of the gospel. They hate Jesus. And they hate his gospel. And so what does Peter do when he writes this letter to them? And says, here's, here's, here's my warning. Here's how you know them. And here's how you deal with it. And what's the last thing he says to them? Those last words, those words that will ring in their ears, that that, that summary of all of it. Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's telling them, what do you need to do to keep your feet firmly planted on the solid ground of Christ? How are you to resist? How are you to know this? How are you to, to resist this? You grow. You don't hire a better preacher. You don't hire a better choir. You don't do all sorts of other things. You you grow. In grace and knowledge and faith and spiritual maturity. So what Peter's telling him here is, is here's how you deal with this. You prioritize the gospel. You prioritize faith in Jesus. You prioritize Life for Jesus. And so when we prioritize the gospel, when you do this, then you will see growth in the gospel. And as you grow in the gospel, the better you'll be able to stand against Satan and his people. And and the better your family will be, the better the, the church will be, the better you will be if you would grow. And, and, and the verb that Peter uses here for, for grow is, is in the Greek tense is called a present active imperative. And so it sounds like it can mean like a one-time experience, right? 
go out and have a growth spurt and then everything's fine. That's not what it carries. It, it means a steady growth. It, it, it's continually happening. And so when the readers read this, they're reading what, what Peter's saying. It's like, you need to be growing and growing and growing and growing. Spiritual health is like healthy physical health. This steady growth over the whole of the Christian life. From the time of salvation to your last breath is a steady growing in and for Christ. Now the Christian life then will have peaks and valleys. There's times where we're on top of the mountain and everything's good, man. Everything is, is gravy and it's going well. But there are times we hit the valleys. Sometimes it feels like we spend more time walking in the valley in the shadow of death. And it does when we're lying in green pastures next to still waters. But there's always growth when the gospel's the priority. True, deep, intimate fulfillment in Christ and the Christian life is through steady growth in the grace of Jesus and the knowledge of Jesus. It's, it's a very simple equation, isn't it? Any of you who, who understand the theory of relativity could explain to me, and I will nod my head, and I will forget about within about five minutes. But this is a simple equation, isn't it? How do I deal with the world? How do I deal with all this? You grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that, that runs so much against the ethos of our times, doesn't it? We like instant gratification. We, we can get... We can get pretty much anything instantly. I have found Winsboro has really seeped into me. When I go to Columbia or somewhere else where there's traffic, and I have to sit through one cycle of a light, I am ready to start ramming my truck through the intersection. I don't want to wait, because I never have to wait through a cycle of a light here in Winsboro. Instant gratification, man. I just get to drive on. That's the ethos of our culture, isn't it? If you want it, go get it. Here's the internet. Amazon Prime, baby, you get it the next day. You can go, you can go home now and go online and, and shop for groceries and go pick them up or they bring them to you. We like that instant gratification, but that isn't this. It's that slow, steady growth that matters. It's no mistake that Peter, in talking about this, he puts grace before knowledge. It's easy to have knowledge, man. All you got to do is read. And you can sound really smart. But knowledge without grace is useless knowledge. It's just head knowledge. You need that heart of grace. Knowledge needs to flow from, to be built upon the grace of Jesus Christ. So it all begins with grace. This word and concept that's so familiar to many of us. And we can think of defining it's God's riches, God's righteousness that Christ's expense is getting what we don't deserve. It is God's unmerited favor, a favor we can never claim, earn, or claim on our own. We can only be saved through Jesus Christ by God because God's one who saves us, right? That is, that's grace. And so we know that the roots of all Christian experience lies in grace. As Paul tells the Ephesians, for by grace, Grace, you have been saved. 
It's because of God's grace that we have come to salvation. We have been brought to salvation. Therefore, the roots of all Christian experience lies in grace. It lies in the fact that God chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me and all he has done for me now through his son. That is grace. And Peter says, that's the first marker of spiritual growth, that you are growing in that grace. You are becoming more gracious. People know you to be more gracious. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. But how do you grow in grace? Is it through osmosis? It's kind of every once in a while I put our head down the Bible and hope something seeps in. No, we, we grow to what we call the means of grace. These means that God's given to us to help us grow. And they're very simple. They're familiar to us. It's the reading and preaching of God's word. It's faithful, humble prayer. It's devotion to the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So the God of grace, the God of all grace, his son who is grace, has said to us, here is grace and here's how you grow in it. Here's my word. Here's prayer. And here's the sacraments. So we prioritize the gospel in the church and the family through these ways. We focus on God's word. The reading and preaching and teaching of God's word. We focus on prayer. We focus on the sacraments. Now all we're talking about is just good old fashioned normal Christianity. Right? This isn't radical. It's been going on for thousands of years. This is just Good, old-fashioned, normal Christianity that we know, but we need to put it into practice. We see that when Jesus prays for us in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 17, where he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus, as he's preparing for the cross, prayed for you and me. He prayed God's will that we would grow in grace. How? Through the means of God's word. That one day... All of us would be able to have a copy of God's word. Is it not amazing to you ever think back and think the history that goes into you having a copy of God's word? People who died at the stake, been burnt alive, who have been hunted down by nations. And now we can have a copy of the Bible in our hand. We can have it on our phones. We talked about before an amazing Gideon app. It has like 10,000 different translations on it. That God in his graciousness has given us the ability to have study Bibles and, and, and Bibles on our phones and Bibles in different languages. And that's how we're meant to grow in grace. We read the Bible. We come to church and hear the Bible read and preached and taught. So how do we grow? What do we, what do, we do? We major on God's word. We major on the reading and preaching God's word. But we also major on prayer. Think of it simply. God's word is God speaking to us. Prayer is us speaking to God. It's a, it's a communication. Here's God wants us to know his word. And we respond in prayer. We pray to our Father in heaven. Where we offer up our desires unto him. For those things that are agreeable to his will. We do so in the name of Christ. And we also confess our sins. And we thankfully acknowledge him for his mercies. And we do all this in the name of, of Jesus Christ. And, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> we grow through prayers. We grow 
through praying. So how, how will we see those, those lines go marking our growth on the door jams? It's good old-fashioned Christianity. Read your Bible. Go to church. And listen as best you can to a sermon. And pray. Go to your church prayer meetings. That's how we grow. But he also says there are also sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Do we ever are we ever tempted to go through those like mere memorials? You know, in a couple weeks we'll have the Lord's Supper. Is it just something we do, mere memorial? We're reminded that we grow in grace by faithfully attending to those things. Baptizing and being baptized, coming before the table. As we faithfully attend to those, those markers grow and grow and grow. And all of this has a goal in mind. There's a bullseye. Growth in grace leads us being more like Jesus. This goes back to what John says in his opening prologue. Jesus Christ is one who is full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the one who is grace. So the more we grow in grace, the more we grow to be like Jesus. Those markers on the spiritual door jam are all leading to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends, how can we not want to be more like Jesus? How can we, when we see the option for us, the one who so loved me and he came for me, the one who so loved me, who died for me, the one who so loved me was resurrected for me, the one who so loved me has ascended to heaven, who now stands at the right hand of God the Father for me, how can we not want to be more like him? I told you before, growing up as a baseball player, I want to be Del Murphy more than anything else in my life, number three for the Atlanta Braves. And then I got to be, I really want to be nothing more than like John Lennon from the Beatles. Del Murphy was a better choice. We all have those heroes, those people we look up to. Here's Jesus. And the more we grow in grace, the more we grow to be like him. But his growth also includes the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's very simple. That's the knowledge of the Bible, what it teaches. It's the opposite of dumbing down. It's growing in the knowledge of Christ. That too takes place through the means of grace, reading God's word, praying. It's also being deliberate about what the Bible teaches. We are called to be students of God's word. Just read a quote from Charles Spurgeon last night. It says, enough people have, or there's enough Bibles there are Bibles out there with enough dust on them to write damnation on it. The Bible doesn't get dusty when we read it. The Bible doesn't get dusty when we study it. We are called to be students of God's word. And we have helps with that. I love being a part of ARP. Been in now since 2006. I love this denomination. I love so much of it. I, I, I'm unapologetically pro-ARP. And one of the things I love is that we are confessional. We are a confessional denomination. I mean, we have a confession of faith. We've talked about our, law, our shorter and larger catechism, our confession of faith. And we confess our shorter catechism, or we use our shorter catechism to confess what we know every week. 
And think about how this encourages us to grow in our knowledge of Scripture. We're all good ARP, so we know the first one. What's the chief end of man? Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, what about God? What's God? Right? That's, that's, that's a huge philosophical question. What, what is God? Well, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Mic drop. It's there. What, what, how does God work? Because God's works of providence. And his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Well, how can I know what sin is? Well, sin is any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. How wonderful is that depth of Bible and, and theology? We can only grow like this when we read our Bible. Know our confession when we meditate on the great truths of the faith. To be in awe of this word that teaches us what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. We grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? 70, 30? What do we do? The gospel. We prioritize the gospel. We prioritize salvation in Jesus and growing in Jesus. We prioritize the reading, preaching, and teaching of God's word. We prioritize praying. We prioritize the sacraments. We prioritize growing in the knowledge of scripture. And Peter says when you do this, it will end with doxology. And he ends with that doxology here that we'll be moved to praise God as we see our own growth. It was around this time, 25 years ago, and I wish I could remember the exact date, I just know it was around the middle of July, 25 years ago, that the Lord called me to Him. And I've shared with y'all before that part of my testimony, of Him bringing me to my knees one night, and me praying, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. I'm neither hot nor cold and the book of Revelation says that if I'm lukewarm, you're going to spit me out of your mouth. Lord Jesus, I want to be hot for you. I can go to my spiritual door jam. And I can see how those first couple of years, I grew and I grew. And sometimes they got in smaller increments. Sometimes they got in bigger increments. But I can stand here 25 years later and tell you this. All praise glory and honor be to God that he would save somebody like me who would confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at the age of 15 and at the age of 16 do anything I could to knock down the doors of hell to be there. One day he imparted on me the priority of the gospel and I needed to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May all of us have that same testimony. What do we do? We go to Jesus. We go to his gospel. We go to his word. We go to prayer. We go to sacraments. And we praise him for how he grows us individually, how he grows our covenant children, how he grows our church. And we will praise him for an eternity. Pray with me.